Chapter Twelve of the Mesmerist Victim by Alexander Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Andrea in favor. At three in the afternoon, Mademoiselle de Tavernay came out of her rooms dressed to perform her duty as reader to the princess. On reaching the Trianon summer house, she was told that her mistress was in the grounds with her architect and head gardener. In the upper story could be heard the whiz of the turning lathe with which the Dauphin was busy making a safety lock for a chest which he thought a great deal of. To join the Dauphiness, Andrea crossed the garden where, although the season had come on, the pale flowers were lifting their heads to catch the fleeting rays of a still paler sun. Dark came at six, and the gardeners were covering the plants from the frost with glass bells. On the lawn, at the end of a walk hedged, with trim trees and Bengal roses, Andrea suddenly perceived one of these men who, on seeing her, rose from stooping over his spade and saluted her with more grace and politeness than a common man could do. Looking, she recognized Gilbert, whom she had seen from a child on her father's estate. She blushed in spite of herself, for the presence of this ex-retainer seemed a very curious kindness of destiny. He repeated the salute, and she had to return it as she passed on but she was too courageous and straightforward a creature to resist a movement of the spirit and leave a question unanswered of her disturbed soul. She retraced her steps, and Gilbert, who had lost color and was eyeing her ominously, returned to life and made a spring to arrive before her. "'How do you happen to be here, Gilbert?' she began. "'A man must live, and honestly.' "'Well,' "'You ought to be happy in such a position.' "'I am very happy indeed to be here.' "'Who helped you to this place?' "'Dr. Jussu, a patron of mine. "'He is a friend of another patron, the great Rousseau.' "'Good luck, Gilbert,' said Andrea, preparing to go. "'I hope you are better after your accident.' ventured the young man in so quivering a voice that one could see that it came from a vibrating heart. "'Yes, thanks,' she coldly answered. "'It did not amount to anything.' "'Why, you came near dying. The danger was dreadful,' said Gilbert at the height of emotion. Andrea perceived by this that it was high time that she cut short this chat in the open with a royal gardener. "'Will you not have a rose?' questioned he, shivering. "'Why, how can you offer what is not yours?' she demanded. He looked at her surprised and overcome, but as she smiled with superciliousness, he broke off a branch of the finest rose-tree and began to pluck the flowers and cast them down with a noble coolness, which impressed even this haughty patrician girl. She was too good and fair dealing not to see that she had wantonly wounded the feelings of an inferior who had only been polite to her. Like all proud ones feeling guilty of a fault, she resumed her stroll without a word, although the excuse was on her lips. Gilbert did not speak either. He tossed aside the rose twig and took up the spade again, bending to work, but also to see Andrea go away. At the turning of the walk, she could not help looking back, for she was a woman. "'Hurrah!' he said to himself. "'She is not so strong as me.' and I shall master her yet, overbearing with her beauty, title, and fortune now rising, insolent to me because she divines that I love her, 
she only becomes the more desirable to the poor working man who still trembles as he looks upon her confound this trembling unworthy of a man but she shall pay some day for the cowardice she makes me feel i have done enough this day in making her give in he added i should have been the weaker as i love her but i was ten times the stronger he repeated these words with savage delight struck his spade deep into the ground and started to cut across the lawn to intercept the young lady at another path when he caught sight of a gentleman in the alley up which andrea was proceeding in hopes to meet her royal mistress this gentleman wore a velvet suit under a cloak trimmed deeply with sable he carried his head high his hat was under his arm and his left hand was on his sword he stuck out his leg which was well made and threw up his ankle which was high like a man of the finest training on seeing him gilbert uttered involuntarily a low exclamation and fled through the sumac bushes like a frightened blackbird the nobleman spied andrea and without quickening his measured gait he maneuvered so as to meet her at the end of a cross path hearing the steps she turned a little aside to let the promenader pass her and she glanced at him when he had done so he looked at her and with all his eyes he stopped to get a better view and turning round said may i ask why you are running so fast young lady at this andrea saw thirty paces behind two royal life-guards officers she spied the blue ribbon under the speaker's mantle and she faltered pale and alarmed by this encounter and accosting the king i have such poor sight that i am obliged to inquire your name returned the monarch approaching as she curtsied lowly i am mademoiselle de tavernay she muttered so confused and trembling that she hardly made herself understood oh yes are you making a voyage of discovery in this place i am going to join her royal highness the dauphiness whom i am in attendance replied andrea more and more agitated i will see you to her said the king for i am going to my granddaughter-in-law to pay her a call like a country neighbor so kindly accept my arm andrea felt her sight dimmed and her blood boiling up in her heart like a dream appeared this honor to the impoverished and nobleman's daughter to be on the arm of the lord over all a glory despaired of an incredible favor which the whole court would covet she made a profound courtesy so religiously shrinking that the king was obliged to return it with a bow when louis the fifteenth remembered his sire he did so in ceremonious matters it is true that french royal attentions to the fair sex dated back to king harry fourth of gallant memory though the king was not fond of walking he took the longest way round to the trianon the two guards officers in attendance saw this as they were not any too warmly clad they arrived late as the dauphiness had started not to keep her lord and master waiting they too were at the table with lady noaya nicknamed lady stickler so rigid about etiquette was she and the duke of richelieu in attendance when the servant voices echoed throughout the house the king at this magic word lady noaya jumped up as if worked by a spring richelieu rose leisurely as usual 
The Dauphin wiped his mouth with his napkin and stood up in his place with his face turned to the door. The Dauphiness moved toward the door to meet the visitor the sooner and do him the honors of the house. Louis was still holding Andrea by the hand, and only at the landing did he release her, saluting her with so long and courteous a bow that Richelieu had time to notice the grace of it, and wonder to what happy mortal it was addressed. The Dauphiness had seen and recognized Andrea. "'Daughter!' said Louis, taking the Austrian's arm. "'I come without ceremony to ask supper. I crossed the park, and, meeting Mademoiselle de Tavernay on the road, I entreated her to keep me company.' "'The Tavernay girl?' muttered Richelieu, almost stunned. "'By my faith, this is very lucky, for she is daughter of an old friend of mine.' "'The consequence is that—' Instead of scolding the young lady for being late, I shall thank her for having brought your majesty, said the Dauphiness pleasantly. Red as the cherries garnishing a dish on the table, Andrea bowed without reply. Deuce take me, but she is very lovely, thought Richelieu, and that old rogue Tavernet never sang her up highly enough. After receiving the bow of the Dauphine, Louis at the table, where a place was always reserved for him. Endowed with a good appetite like his ancestors, he did honor to the spread which the steward had ready as if by magic. But, while eating, the king, whose back was to the door, fidgeted as though he was looking for somebody or something. The fact was, Mademoiselle de Tavernay, having no fixed position in the household, had not entered the dining-room, but, after bowing to the Dauphine and his lady, went into the sitting-room where she was wont to read to her mistress. The Dauphiness guessed whom her royal relative was looking for. "'Lieutenant Coigny,' she said to a young officer behind the king, "'will you please request Mademoiselle de Tavernay to come here? With the leave of Lady Noailles we will derogate from the regulations to-night.' In another instant Andrea came in, trembling as she could not understand this accumulation of favors. "'Find a place there by the Dauphiness.' said the Dauphine. She went upon the raised platform for the royalties, and had what seemed the audacity to sit within one step of Lady Noailles. She received such a withering glance from the latter that the poor girl recoiled at least four feet as though she had been shocked by an electrical discharge. Louis the King smiled as he saw this. "'Why, here are things running along so smoothly,' thought old Richelieu that there will be hardly any need of my helping them the king turned on the marshal who was prepared to meet his look how do you do duke he said are you still chiming in with lady noire sire the duchess is good enough still to treat me like a whipping-post i suppose you have been on the road to chanteloup i sire i have all the cheering news i desire from your majesty to my house what have i done for you asked the king who had not expected this retort and did not like to be jested with when he wanted to have his fun sire your majesty has given my nephew arguillon the command of the royal light horse to do that for a nobleman who has many foes all your majesty's energy and statecraft were required 
it is almost a movement of royalty itself against all comers this was at the end of the repast the king just waited an instant before he rose conversation might have embarrassed him but richelieu did not want to release his prey while the king was chatting with the others he worked round so dexterously as to have an opening to say sire it is well known that success emboldens a man are you bold then duke i make so bold as to ask for another boon after the many i am thanking your majesty for it is for an old comrade of mine a good old friend and one of your majesty's best servitors he has a son in the army he is a young man of merit but wants the purse an august princess has gratified him with the brevet rank of captain but he has no company to command is the princess my daughter asked the king yes sire and the young gentleman is the son and heir of baron tavernay my father andrea could not help exclaiming philip do you beg a company for my brother philip ashamed of her breach of etiquette in speaking without the royals putting a question she fell back a step blushing and wringing her hands the king turned to admire her blushes and emotion then he gave the wily courtier a glance teaching him how agreeable the request was by reason of its timeliness really the young chevalier is charming and i promise to make his fortune struck in the dauphiness how unhappy we princes are when we have the willingness to oblige heaven bereaves us of memory or reason ought i not have thought that the young gentleman might lack looser and that the rank was a snare without the soldiers to back it why lady how could your highness have known but i did know interrupted the austrian recalling the glimpse she had at the poverty-stricken abode of the tavernays on her passing through terrane and i ought to have thought of that when i gave the rank the king looked at the speaker's noble and open countenances then his eyes fell on richelieu's also illumined by a ray of their generosity reflected duke he whispered i shall be embroiled with la du barry but he proceeded aloud turning to andrea do you tell me that this will afford you pleasure i entreat it she said clasping her hands it is granted then said louis duke select a good company for the young hero i will provide the expenses if it is not fully raised and all paid for this good action rejoiced all the attendants it earned the donor a heavenly smile from andrea and a grateful one from the same to richelieu some visitors dropped in among them the cardinal prince rohan who paid assiduous court to the dauphiness but the king had attention and sugary words solely for richelieu that evening he took the joyous old marshal with him when he left to go home and andrea was relieved by the dauphiness who said you will want to send this good piece of news to your parents in town you can retire preceded by a lackey carrying a lantern the young lady crossed the grounds to her part of the palace before her from bush to bush bounded what seemed a shadow in the foliage it was gilbert whose sparkling eyes watched her every movement when andrea was left at the doorway the footman returned 
Thereupon, Gilbert went up to his room in the stable lofts, where his window overlooked the girls at the corner. He saw her call a strange waiting woman who let the curtains fall like an impenetrable veil betwixt the beloved object and the young lover's burning gaze. End of chapter 12 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia